Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. We want you to know that Creekwood Church is open and you're invited to join us in person or online this weekend. More information about services and in-person safety precautions is available at creekwoodchurch.com. We hope this message inspires and encourages your faith. Enjoy. Well, this is a huge weekend for us. A lot of you know that we are kicking off life groups. And uh, I know last weekend we also talked a little bit about that. But really, this weekend is the weekend that we are really kicking off a lot of our life groups. And uh, the life group list is online. And I want to encourage you to get online and look and find your people. Find the people that you need to do life with. And um, I want to talk to you about that just to, for just a few moments today. And if you want to grab your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And today, my, my main goal is for you to, to recognize the power of relationships in your life. And that so often in our life, we miss as Christ followers, the power of relationships and what people can do in our life and, and what happens when we come together and we are in relationships with people. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 2. And um, if you've got your, your Bibles, want to turn there, smartphone, or it's also going to be on the screen. But this is, it's important for you to understand that this is the birth of the early church. And um, this is when the church started. And um, this is a moment Jesus has ascended back up into heaven and the Holy Spirit has fallen and people have come um, to know Christ and the church is literally, it's exploding in growth. The church is growing. How many of you know that the ch- a church ought to grow? We ought to grow, and, and the reason why we, we want to grow is that we believe that everyone should have an opportunity to come to know Christ. And so we, we, we have this passion. We know that people need to come to know Christ. And as we grow, we continue to reach people. And this is what's happening in the early church. It's exciting to be a, a part of the church. And listen to what it says in verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. To the breaking of bread and to prayer, everyone, everybody say everyone. Y'all got to say that a little bit better. Come on, y'all, y'all got to sleep in. Some of y'all been sleeping all week. You should be like excited today. Everybody, let's say it, everyone. everyone. That's better. Everybody, um, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. Everybody say together. Man, I love that. And had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It was exciting to be a part of this. They understood the power, and I want to lay out the case for you today that this was really something that Jesus showed us, and Jesus modeled this. And I want to just kind of present this to you because I think that a lot of us have, have kind of lost our way sometimes when we, we understand uh, 
the power of, of gathering together in an auditorium on a weekend to go to church, and that's why you're here, you're joining online. But a lot of times what happens is that we stop and we start to kind of lose our, our way of what really Christ envisioned the church to look like. And I think that what happens is that a lot of us maybe if you were to read Acts 2.42 in our day and time of what describes a lot of churches today, it would read like this. The Christians were devoted to themselves and occasionally got to church when they had time. No one was filled with awe because there were no signs and wonders performed by the believers. Very few of the believers were together and they had almost nothing in common because they had no real time for each other. If they sold something, they used the money to buy something better for themselves. They ate on the run, kept to themselves, and were too rushed to enjoy one another or give praise to God. They claimed to love God, but they didn't really love each other. And they felt very empty and alone. As a result, most people disliked them, and very few people were ever saved. I don't know about you, but I want what... The book of Acts describes what the church ought to look like. And I, I, I think every once in a while we need a moment where we need to kind of say, you know what, we need to kind of realign ourselves and we need to kind of make sure we stay on, on, on par and on focus. And what's made Creekwood so special, and I believe that I, I've said this and I've shared this several times, that when we moved to Mansfield, 16 years to start Creekwood Church, and, and we were three families, and we moved here. There was a church in every school. Mansfield did not just need another church. And I believe that one of the things that God began to show us as we began to study God's word, as we began to pray about the vision that God had for Creekwood churches is that we began to really see that the backbone of this church had to be small groups. That the power of you finding your people and you doing life with people and you, you going through the hard work of building those relationships with people that you have people in your life that care about you. I know we saw that and Pastor Brad talked about that just a few moments ago. It's, it was amazing for us to hear all the stories of so many of you that reached out to neighbors and you took care of people and you were, you were taking water, you were feeding people, you were doing all kinds of stuff. Some of you had a house full of people that you were like, you had fun. Some of y'all didn't because you had family. But <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I had family. I love my family. Um, but, uh, you know, you cared about each other. What would happen if, if we didn't just do that when there was a storm, but we, we made that a part of our life? It was a lifestyle for us to say, I have people that I do life with that I care about, they care about us, and we are part of a group. And we do these life groups, these small groups here at Creekwood, not because we think you're bored and you need one more thing to do. We do it because we believe in the life change that happens when you do life together. When you step out and you begin to say, I need to do life with other people. Now I wanna back up a moment and, and talk about Jesus and really 
There's something important that we need to notice about Jesus when we talk about relationships. You know, as a kid, um, I remember in Sunday school, they always told us to pay attention to the words in red. How many of y'all remember that? I know some of y'all are going to be shocked, but we used to have these paper Bibles. There were paper, paper Bibles, paper, I can't talk, paper Bibles, and uh, our teacher would tell us, you need to pay attention to the words in red, because the words in red, those are the words of Jesus. And it was important to see the words of Jesus, but I, I wanted to ask you this, that I think sometimes as important as the words of Jesus are, what Jesus did is also just as important as what he said. What Jesus modeled in his life is just as important as what he said. And one of the things that Jesus came to do was to save us. But he also came to bring, bring into our world a kingdom. And he said, the kingdom of God has come and he invites us to be a part of this kingdom. And aren't you glad that Jesus Christ did not come just to save us and just tell us, hey, well, you're saved now. Just sit around and be bored until you go to heaven. And we're just supposed to just kind of sit around and sit around and wait and get a job and work and retire. And then hopefully one day we die. And then we're, of course, we're going to all die. But, uh, and that's it. I, I can't find that in the Bible. When you read the Bible, you see that, that Jesus Christ came to save us, but to also give us a life, to allow us to walk and operate in his kingdom. The problem is, is that when you think about the kingdom that's available for us, that Jesus Christ is describing is that it is a, a sphere of influence that we can't see it. We can't physically see it, so a lot of us have an issue with it, but it's still there. The kingdom of God is at work. And what you see that Jesus, he, he, had, he spoke words, but he also demonstrated through his actions what the kingdom of God is supposed to be about. For example, when Jesus was on this boat and there was this huge storm that came about and he got up and he said, peace be still. Do we just believe that he just said, peace be still, so we could have a, 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 a magnet on our fridge that says, peace be still? Or you could have a nice little plaque that says, peace be still. When you're freaked out, you love that little plaque. Is that what it's all about? No, Jesus was modeling that our words can change our life. That what we speak, it, it will change our life. When Jesus fed the 5,000 and Jesus took the, the small pieces of bread and the little fish that this boy had and he broke this and the, Jesus took this, this small gift and what, what he did was he supernaturally multiplied it. And what he showed us there is that in the kingdom of God, when I'm generous, God releases something supernatural in my life. These are important things that Jesus modeled. 
Do you know that I, I love this about Jesus? The Bible tells us in Luke 7, 34, the son of man came eating and drinking. One of the things that Jesus did a lot was eat and drink. Some of y'all didn't think you had anything in common with Jesus. You're, you're like, I've been really godly. I put on a little bit of weight, but I've been godly. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, we had COVID. Everybody is like bunkered down. We're all eating, eating our way through our house. And, and then we get the storm and it's like, let's all eat pancakes. <laughs> Jesus came and he's eating and drinking. I love that about Jesus. But one of the things that really has always puzzled me was if you look in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, Jesus actually, um, it says that Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Now, let me ask you this. Does God need people to help him. Did God look down at Jesus and say, you know what, Jesus needs some bodyguards. I'm gonna get him to pick the disciples, which it kind of makes sense because you look how rough the disciples were. These guys were crazy. These guys were not the kind of like guys that you would go, man, I want these guys to take care of my kids. They were rough. They were diverse. They were people from all different types of backgrounds. Why did Jesus pick 12 disciples? Why, when Jesus sent them out, did he just send them all out by themselves? He sent them out two by two. The reason why is that he's modeling to us the power of relationships. That when you come together, when you, are, when you are connected with people in your life, something supernatural, when two or three are gathered together, there's something supernatural that begins to happen. This is why I'm telling you, life groups is not just something that you say, well, it's an option, I'll take it or leave it. I think I'll just go to church on the weekend. I don't wanna do life groups. It's not, it doesn't work that way. Life groups are a must. It's got to be a part of your life. It's not an option to say, I, I'll take it or leave it. It has to be a part of your life. You will not experience the spiritual growth. Listen to me. You'll not experience the spiritual growth that you need to experience in your life without people around you. There is a part of you that will not change unless you surround yourself with people. This is the way God created it. I love in Matthew 16, 18, it says, I will build, Jesus said this. I love this and how personable it, personal it is. It says, I will build my church and all the powers of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus said, I will build my church. That's a great place to say amen. Okay, I gotta make sure y'all are still with me. Some of y'all are getting a little sleepy. Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is he saying, I'm gonna build a great building? No, he's talking about that, that the church that he builds, it's, it's made of people and hell will not prevail against it. Listen, our world is full of hell. There's a lot of hell going on. Can you tell, like, you're like, Pastors like and say in hell. I don't get to cuss, so I'm like, got to throw that out once in a while. <laughs> There's a lot of hell out there. 
My mother-in-law, she's a pro at cussing, but I, I'm like, I'm just like, I, I'd throw that. Where was I? We were talking. There's a lot of hell out there. Um, and the church needs to be the church. And when we don't come together and, and, and we, we miss this and we start to think that this is about just being in the pile. I'm in the pile of going to church on the weekend and I'm, a, I'm in the pile. I go to the 930 and I'm in the pile. And I, I want to show you this and, and I want you to write some of these things down in just a few moments, but I, I really, it's so important for us to understand um, that real life change happens in the context of relationships. If you want to write that down. Real life change happens in the context of relationships. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter four, it says, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Doesn't that sound like our culture today? People just being busy, people just doing whatever. Um, two, verse nine, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. In other words, when two people come together, there's a multiplying effect that happens. If either, either of them falls down, one can help the other. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one warm alone? The one may be overpowered. Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strand is not quickly broken. How many of you remember the show called Cheers? All the old people raised their hand. Um, it, was a, it was a show, a, a, a TV show, and it, was, it took place in a bar. And do y'all remember the words to the song that they used to, it was, it had a little, they played it every time. And the, the words to that song, it said, making your way in the world today takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries should, sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our trouble. Our troubles are actually all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. That's a bar. All the people laughing are the people that go to the bar. They know. Everybody, everybody that's not laughing, they're like, what, what? Oh, that, that happens at the bar. <laughs> that ought to be the church. And I, I believe it's time for us to recognize we have to do the hard work. I know we miss our high school days when you were in high school and you had your best friends that you were like, we are best friends for life. And you, you cut your wrist and you like did little blood and all that. And you're like, I'm going to, we're going to call each other and, and, and all every single day. And then you graduated and you never talked to them again. And what happens is that you kind of go along life and you're kind of looking for those friends again. And then you, you, 
You're looking for those kind of friends that you can do life with, that care about you, that are part of your life, and then you start to, you get hurt because you become vulnerable with people, and some of you have, have gotten close to the wrong people. You have opened up, you've tried to be close to people that you knew weren't good for you, and they've hurt you. And then you've said, I'll never be close to anybody else. I don't want to go. I'm not doing this. I'll go be invisible on the weekend, but I don't want to get close to anybody. You don't even want to get close to your neighbor. But if you believe that, it's the same way as if you took hot water from a pot and you burned your leg and it hurt so bad that it scarred you. And then you said, I will never, ever be around water again in my life. Water is bad. No, without water, you can't live. You die. Without relationships, you die. Some of us, some of the the stupidest decisions, the dumbest decisions we've made in our life, it's because we didn't have somebody in our life to call us out. It's because we weren't in relationship. I I was thinking, I could tell, we could be here all day and tell you, I could tell you my stories. I was thinking about right before we moved here to start the church, I was, again, I was a youth pastor in Houston, and, and uh, I, my wife and I had this, this boxer that I loved. His name was Rusty, and man, this, I had this dog trained like, man, he was just an amazing dog, and I loved him, and I, um, I had come up here to Dallas to, to uh, go to a, a church planner's boot camp to learn how to start a church. And I was in uh, Waxahachie and, and I was at this boot camp and I didn't know this, but while I was here, my dog got out and got out on the highway and got ran over. And they found him in the ditch and my wife waited until I got done from uh, being in boot camp and called me and I'm telling you, I, I know y'all are, some of y'all are like, you need to turn in your man card. But I cried all the way from Dallas, from Waxahachie to Houston. I stopped to get gas. I could not hardly breathe. I was crying so bad. I was devastated. I was so upset. I was just grieving and came back. And my wife and I went and, and Brad and Elise were, were there. They, they were just amazing friends that they helped us through it. And, but I was grieving I was just grieving at the loss and we, we were uh, um, I, like my wife and I were like just so sad. And I was like, babe, I think we should we're like, let's get another dog. And I was like, I, I was like, I was determined. I want a relative of Rusty. So I started doing studies in the genealogy of Rusty. I started kind of tracking who was Rusty's daddy and who was his mama and where'd they come from and what was his relatives. And finally, I found a relative in Mississippi, a distant cousin to Rusty. I was all excited and I'm embarrassed to tell you, I didn't have this money as a youth pastor, but I was paid $2,000 back then for that dog. I put Rusty, right, this new dog that we just got, this puppy, I put him on a plane. I paid to have him flown on Delta. He arrived on Delta at International Airport and I went and got him and I got him and opened up the crate and I just cried like a little crybaby. Y'all, that was stupid. 
there are a lot of dogs at the dog pound. I should have gone and adopted a dog, like 20 dogs. I could have fed 20 dogs for a year. Somebody needed to be in my life and say, you don't need to track down his third cousin twice removed. You don't need another dog. Just he, And he didn't even look anything like him. I was looking at that dog. I'm like, now, I think you're, that somebody from Mississippi tricked us because he was like, he was like 40%. A boxer and like, I don't know, he had a lot of other stuff in him. But anyways, it was not wise. And a lot of us can think of stories and things like that that we've done. And, and I'm just, I know you can get serious and talk about it, some of the other stuff that, that's happened. But most of us, and men, listen to me. You need somebody in your life. You need a group of men in your life that know you. I know you can say, well, my wife, no, your wife is not a man. Your wife does not understand what it's like to be a man. You need men in your life that can call you out, that can speak into your life. This is why when you go on our life group directory and you start to look at the life group list, we have every kind of life group you can imagine. There's a running group. My wife is a part of that. I, I've joked about this a lot of times. I could be, in, sir, I could be having heart surgery. My wife's probably going to run down and go to her, her life group real quick and run and then come back to the hospital. Can you tell I'm a little sensitive about that? But she loves this life group. Robert Poston's her, her leader, and she loves this group. But we have all kinds of different groups. That, that, and it doesn't have to be a complicated thing for you to go and kind of start putting your foot in the water. It's, it's, why is it that the older we get, the weirder we get about making friends? It's, it's like it, 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 it takes work. It takes effort. It takes you stepping in and, and being able to go, you know what, I'm going to go to a couple life groups and then I'm going to see what it feels like. I'm going to call the life group leader. I'm going to see if those are my people. And then and you keep going and finding, looking for the people that you need to do life with. But the older we get, the more we complicate this thing. And we're like, well, somebody needs to go find me. Can the church find me a group of people that want to be my friend? And I, It's like, come on. It doesn't work like that. But one of the things that, I, again, I want to go back to this, and let me show you this, Romans 12, 5. The Bible is full of this, that something supernatural is released in your life when you get around other people. Since we are all, Romans 12, 5 says, since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of you needs all the others. I want you to write some of these things down today. Um, there are windows into your life. And I want to just kind of jump through these. And if you want to take notes fast, you can. And, and if not, they're going to be on the screen right down the reference. But there are windows in our life that keep us oftentimes from getting really in right relationship with people. Uh, number one is the arena. The arena is this window of where it's the public you. It's the person that I know you, you are uh, uh, I, I know you, I see you at church, we say hi, we talk. It's, it's, it's kind of like, I, I call it level two, where you just kind of talk about the weather and we talk about sports or whatever, but level 10 is a much deeper level where you talk about things that are going on in your life. And a lot of us, this is the arena um, only. Um, this is, it's, it's really uh, unfortunate that a lot of people, their religious experience is our 
the religious experience is just in the arena. In other words, it only happens on the weekend. That your, your experience is only walking in here. And what happens is when you make it about the arena, you're going to put on. You're going to put on the happy. It's like it can be a nightmare in your life, but you walk through the doors and you're going to act happy and you're going to act like everything is going great. And you're like, you know, fighting with the kids, fighting with your wife. And you're like, as soon as you get out of the car, you're like, hey, y'all, what's up? God bless y'all. I love Jesus. You know, we put on. And Jesus, listen to what in Matthew 23, it says, everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries, that's a hard word. Phylacteries, uh, it's, it's, if you want to know what that is, in those times they had a little box and they put little uh, verses of, in, in this little box and they put this on their head to, sh- to, to uh, again, um, it says, wide and the tassels on their garments long. In other words, they, they were doing it all for show. Matthew 23, 27, it says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs. Whitewashed tombs. In other words, you look great on the outside, but on the inside you are, there is death, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and every unclean, everything unclean. In other words, on the outside, we look like we're whitewashed tombs. We look like everything's going great. And listen, as long as you stay in, 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 in the arena spiritually, you're not going to grow. You got to get connected to people where, where, again, people, you surround yourself with, with people that you do life with, that know you, that can, that can challenge you, that can call you out and, and can say, hey, you know what, man, I'm there for you. You're going through something. I, 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 I'm there. You ought to have somebody that you can talk to. Listen, I know sometimes, we, again, we, we've been hurt because you've shared things maybe with the wrong people, but uh, there ought to be somebody, again, uh, that, that you can be close to. And this starts in life groups and small groups. This is why we're adamantly uh, um, passionate about that here at Creekwood where we say, you know what, we are going to be about life groups. We have these semesters and we push them and we talk to you about them because they are so important. Uh, number two, the mask. The mask is a big one. Um, this is the part of my life that I know, but you don't know. It's where secrets are. And I'll just say this to you. I'm always going to stay as sick as my secrets. There ought to be somebody in your life that knows your secrets, that knows really what you're going through, what you struggle with. 2 Corinthians 4, 2 says, we refuse to wear masks and play games. Rather, we keep everything we do and stay out in, in, stay out in the open. I love what C.S. Lewis says this, and this, I think, so speaks of life groups. Friendships, friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, what, you two? I thought I was the only one. And a lot of times when we take our masks off and we start to share it, it there, there's healing that happens in other people's lives when you say, you know what, I struggle with this addiction. And then somebody else says, man, you know what, I do too, or, or we're struggling in our marriage and whatever it is in your life. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The way that we're healed is when we confess to each other. Galatians 4.12, again, I'm just kind of listing off a lot of these scriptures because I want you to to really get this. Uh, 4.12, it says, Epaphras, 
If you're looking for a baby name, getting ready to have a, a son, a papyrus is really cool. Who is one of you and, and a servant of Christ? Jesus sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Everybody needs an apaparaphus in their life. <laughs> Don't call your kid that. I can't pronounce that name. Um, but the first step to freedom, again, as James said in chapter 5, is that, is that we're honest about what we're going through. Number three, blind spots. We have blind spots. And um, this is the part of you that we all see, but you don't see it. This is, this is what I call, you know, you know, great friends tell you you have a booger. You know, the, you know when you get a hanger? Don't you hate it? You know, you're like, you, you've been out with friends and you're getting home and your wife says, you had a hanger the whole time. Every time you breathed, it went up and down. <laughs> Don't, you're like, I know some of you are like, I'm grossed out. I'm sorry I was a youth pastor. I, it's like, you got to talk about boogers in church. Um, you need people that you have blind spots. You've got these areas. Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You need people that, that, that will speak the truth to you. And, and again, um, be careful that you don't carry around uh, an offense, uh, offended spirit. A lot of us, we, we bow up anytime anybody tries to say anything to us about anything in our life. We need to walk in humility and we need to be able to say, you know what? Um, these people that are close to me, they're seeing something about my attitude, seeing something the way that I am. And I, I need to re be receptive to that. Um, Hebrews 3, 12, it says, see to it. If you underline your Bible or circle phrases, circle that phrase, see to it. It says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it, call, it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I love it. it says, see to it. In other words, there are, gonna, there are gonna be people in your life that you need to see about. You need to see to it. You need to, and I love that it, it puts today in parentheses. There are some things that are going on in people's lives today that they need you to not ignore what's going on and say, well, they're really going through it. I'll, I'll see about one of these days saying something. No, you're noticing it because God's putting them in your life and you need to see about them. Call them. Reach out to them. The last area is potential. Do you know that there is a, a side of your life that you don't know about it and I don't know about it, but God knows about it. There's a part that God knows about our life that we have not realized yet. What if I were to tell you that you've not experienced the best version of you? And God knows the best version of you. And the way God's designed your life is that you get connected with other people and you do life with them. You get these close friends. It's, it's work, I'm just gonna tell you. You're gonna get hurt, you're gonna get disappointed, but it's worth it. It's worth showing up to a group 
after group after group and finding. The people that you connect with, the people that you say, you know what, these people, man, and, and I, I could tell you so many stories about, there, there's so many groups in our church that, that, man, people in the group have gone through stuff and they, they rally around each other. You know, the Bible tells us in Colossians 2, 19, it says, they have lost connection with a head from whom the whole body supported and held by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. They've lost connection. And a, a way to describe that is, it's like, you know, your hand, and if it's not connected to your arm, it, it is not gonna reach its full potential. I know that this is a gross way to say it, but you, if a child's arm is cut, hand is cut off, and you leave that hand on the ground and the child's gonna continue to grow, but that hand is not gonna grow. That hand's gonna wither. That hand only grows when it's connected to the body. So you need to be connected. And the way that you grow is that you get connected. And I'm gonna just say this to you. Life groups are a great place, but also serve teams. This is why you hear us talk over and over. You need to join like the parking lot team. They're doing life together. We're not asking you to serve because, man, we're desperate. We need to get somebody out there to go work. It's because you do life with other people and you start to build those relationships. Would you bow your heads with me today? I, I wanna pray for you. I know that there are so many of us today that Man, you through the all the stuff that's been happening is is that you've isolated yourself. And I want you just to close your eyes for just a few moments and listen to me what I'm about to say to you. I believe that loneliness, depression, and anxiety is the number one health crisis in the world. COVID, we ought to take it serious, but it's not the greatest health crisis. It's isolation. In 2021, out of four people under the age of 30 have considered suicide. Isolation, it's, it's, it's a wonder why the enemy fights us from getting connected, fights us from being in relationship, does everything he can to keep you from being connected to people. I pray that today you get online and you look at these life groups and you, you take that step and you say, I am going to be proactive about this and I'm going to do life with people. You know, if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ into your life or you're watching online and you know in your heart you're not right with God, I wanna encourage you right there where you're at to just pray the prayer of faith and say, Jesus Christ, I confess that I'm a sinner. I need you in my life. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I ask you to be the driver of my life, the savior of my life. If you prayed that prayer today, you are born again. And Father, today, we just thank you for these that have accepted you, Lord. 
and received you into their life, Lord. We thank you, God, as they begin their spiritual journey, God. I pray that they would know your grace, your love, and your mercy. We thank you for this. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Are you new to Creekwood? If so, we're glad you're here. For more information about our church and how to take your next step, please visit the Connect page on our Creekwood Church app.